Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney, the host of How They Love Mary and author of the new book, How They Love Mary, 28 Life-Changing Stories of Devotion to Our Lady, available from Sophia Institute Press. I am enjoying so much my weekly conversations with different guests about the lessons as we go through the book one by one, person by person. Did you know that you could wear a sock honoring many of the different individuals who are found in How They Love Mary? In the month of June, I'll be talking about St. Therese of Lisieux and St. Kateri Tekakwitha and Fulton Sheen. Those three individuals all have a sock at Sock Religious. And when I talk about St. Faustina, well, she's the visionary who received the Divine Mercy. And you can find a pair of Divine Mercy socks at Sock Religious. Head over to Sock Religious by using the link in the show notes and begin wearing socks for the glory of God and in honor of the saints. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. We are continuing our weekly series as we go through the book, How They Love Mary, looking at each one of the different individuals featured in those 28 life-changing stories of Marian devotion. One of the more popular saints in the Catholic tradition is St. Therese of Lisieux. Lots of people have prayed for a rose, asking her to send it to them as a message of his love. I'll tell you, I've prayed that little novena prayer, and I have received roses. And I always ask for a very peculiar rose. I always say, I want a yellow rose. One time I had a wedding, and everybody had yellow roses. Uh, in their bouquets. And I was in the midst of praying a St. Therese Novena. Uh, There are other times, another time I was praying the St. Therese Novena for a yellow rose again, for direction, clarity on something. And I went to somebody's home. I I was staying in their guest room. And on the way to that room, there was a statue of St. Therese, and she had gold roses or yellow roses in her bouquet. And I'm like, I've never seen that before. So I know I've received these roses. St. Therese had a devotion to Our Lady. She was cured. She was healed by Our Lady of the Smile. When she thought she was going to die, the statue of Our Lady came to life and smiled upon her. And so today, I'm excited to share with all of you the story of an individual who also sought the intercession of St. Therese, and he also sings her praises, in a sense, in one of my favorite songs that he wrote. Today, I'm speaking with Jacob Rudd, who is a Catholic musician and singer, who is also a homesteader. He and his wife and children are living kind of in the middle of nowhere. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. But he's going to share about his music ministry, and especially we'll begin with St. Therese. So thanks so much, Jacob, for joining me today. Thank you, Father. Thank you for having me. Now, we kind of go back a little ways, in a sense, because you uh, were a seminarian for the Diocese of Green Bay. I was a seminarian for the Diocese of Green Bay, and now a priest. And then 
I served two years in Oshkosh. You grew up in the city of Oshkosh. So our paths have crossed on a number of levels. Uh, and even in your music ministry, you came to my parish, did a little backyard concert and things like that. So uh, tell me a little bit about your own faith life, your own kind of vocation story, because you went from seminarian to husband. Yes, and I would say it began probably with a powerful experience. My whole journey with Christ was really, I began in a powerful way when I was 17. So I grew up in a good family in the middle of five kids. We were always Catholic, always going to Mass on Sunday, praying the rosary maybe once a week. So we had a pretty good faith. I, d I did go to public school. They built a, a big public school basically in our backyard. I just had to cut through a couple people's yards to get to school. So I did go to public school. That was where most of friend my friends were. And unfortunately, that didn't have that great of an effect on me. God was not talked about much. So my faith was kind of in my family but not so much in my friends. And so when I was in high school, I was struggling with uh, pornography. I was struggling with uh, marijuana usage, underage drinking. And a lot of my friends were also doing that. And when I was 17, one of my friends committed suicide. And he was in class with me. Uh, one of my favorite classes, AP US History. We had a great teacher. We did projects together. And he was also on my hockey team. Hockey was my favorite sport, and I put a lot of time into it. My parents would travel with me uh, throughout my whole upbringing. So he was on my hockey team. He was in school with me. He was partying with me, and all of a sudden, he wasn't there anymore. And I got a call. We were all looking for him. We knew he was missing, and then we got a call. Uh, one of my friends called me and told me the bad news that he had crashed his car at 100 miles per hour into an oak tree. And he had left a note for his parents. And so it was really devastating for me. And in that tragedy, I kind of felt the inner voice. I didn't hear anything. It wasn't super um, clear. But just the overall sense that now your life is beginning. As one person's has ended, now your life is beginning. And it was just more of a strong idea of that that was in my heart. And as I was mourning my friend's loss, I found myself at a party uh, there's no parents. It's not a really good situation. It was the second night in a row going to the same guy's house because his parents were gone for the weekend. So a few weeks after my friend had committed suicide. And the night before I drank and uh, thrown up, drank hard alcohol and thrown up, it was bad. Because I was just sad my friend died. And I didn't know how to feel that pain or deal with that pain. And... I felt also guilty because there were times where I was a jerk to him, where I wasn't uh, a good friend to him. And I, I felt bad that he did, hadn't ever told me he was struggling with things, that I was too superficial to him, um, even though I was spending so much time with him. But I wasn't deep enough or loving enough to, to realize that he was going through so much. And so that second night, I decided that I was going to do something different. I told my friends I'm going to go and pray. And they looked at me like I was kind of crazy. But this house was out in the country. It was a beautiful house on beautiful land. It was a clear night sky. And I just sat under the stars. And I started talking to Jesus. And all the faith that I had in my head growing up from some good priests and my, my parents gave me pretty good formation. Uh, I started to go down in my heart 
And then I knew Jesus was real. I couldn't explain it, but he gave me a greater peace, a greater joy, even a greater physical feeling of being drunk at that night, just praying with him, just talking to him, just talking to God and trying to connect with the one who created me and to ask him, why did you let this happen? And I remembered that out of all the homilies I kind of zoned out during as a youth, I remembered that, that Jesus had wept and that Jesus had um, he had wept when Lazarus had died. And so it was powerful to, to remember that as I was weeping, my creator had also we- wept. That piece that I had that night, I wrote a song about recently called The Night I Met Jesus. Or it's called The Night in August because my friend committed suicide July 31st. And uh, so that night happened in August 2007. And so since then, I've been trying to follow Christ. And that, uh, to keep it simple, that led to that declaration of faith and that prayer time made me different. I became somewhat of a different person. I wanted to avoid sin. I wanted to be different. Uh, I wanted to follow Jesus, and I was then beginning to pray more, even in my senior year of high school, and that led me to think about, you know, the lives of the saints, to study their lives, and one saint in particular, St. Francis of Assisi, was powerful for me, and I went on a retreat my senior year with the Friars of the Renewal, and they came to Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and they did a beautiful retreat. And for a while, I was thinking maybe to become Protestant because I had had this powerful experience of Jesus and it was just me and him, you know, like a lot of Protestants say. It's all just about Jesus, right? Don't All this other stuff kind of gets in the way of Jesus, that Catholicism has. And so for a little bit, I was tempted to think, you know, maybe the Catholic Church isn't right. Maybe uh, it's this is a better way. But on that retreat, I got all Catholicism. I got the rosary. We had Eucharistic Adoration, we had Confession, we had Testimonies, we had, I had a beautiful experience of God's mercy, and I knew then right at their retreat when I was kneeling in adoration after making a confession that Jesus was in the Eucharist, and that this was the most important truth that I had learned. In the 18 years of my life, this was the most important truth, that Jesus was in the Eucharist, and that the Catholic Church was the true faith, and that Jesus was indeed real and still with us. And so uh, that was my kind of powerful grace that God gave me to then prepare me to think about the priesthood. So I played a year of hockey after that, kind of like my homeschool year, I guess, call it. And when I was playing hockey in the juniors up in a small town in Wisconsin, Spooner, northwestern wisconsin um i began again to read the lives of the saints it was kind of my homeschool year as i stated where i could read what i wanted play hockey at night work a little here and there but then i had most of the day to do what i what i wanted and now i had that powerful experience with christ so i was able to process that to process my faith and make it deeper so i was reading introduction of the to the devout life by saint francis de sales and Dostoevsky novels, so getting a little bit of philosophy and theology into my soul, into my heart, my mind. And then I began 
to think about that retreat, and I wanted to become a Franciscan. The CFRs, Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, they had such a big impact upon me, and I looked up to them. They were younger priests that I could relate with, their stories, their testimonies. And so I wanted to become a Franciscan Friar of the Renewal, so I went to Franciscan University. And from there, I was able to spend two awesome years discerning the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, being in Catholic community at a great college where, you know, almost 500 to 1,000 people go to daily Mass, let alone thousands going to Sunday Mass. So it was a great community, and I was able to uh, discern properly with other, you know, students, and I was in the priestly discernment program. So it was a great opportunity for me to hear God's call. I just tried to distinguish that in my life and to just grow as a, a Christian. And so from there, I felt a pulling towards the diocesan priesthood back to my home of Green Bay. And I was working at Camp Tegawitha, where I remember also have seeing you visit there a few times. And I was able to transfer from Franciscan University to the University of St. Thomas and go to the St. John Vianney Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. So I was there for two years as well. And in my final year, I was having a lot of doubts. Because I had had this radical conversion, and because I was reading the lives of the saints, most of the saints I was reading about were all religious. So I kind of had a presumption that I'm probably called to be a priest or a religious. I just need to figure out where. And so I tried the Franciscans. Wasn't quite the right fit. I was now head headlong, focused on the priesthood, uh, wanting to be like Don Bosco, priest to really impact the youth and to use my love for sports, my love for music, and uh, the gift of my youth and energy to try to you know, lead young people to Christ. So I was doing that through Camp Tekawitha and preparing for the priesthood. But then, you know, my last year of college, second year of seminary, I was having a lot of doubts. You know, what is, does, am I really called to the priesthood or is this just my zeal, you know, assuming what God's will is? So I wanted to be really humble and I wanted to, I wanted to just, Honestly, maybe it's not that humble. I wanted to just flat out know, what does God want me to do? And I just want to know plain and clear. And um, so I thought my best shot might be St. Therese. Because when I was at Franciscan, I had prayed a novena to St. Therese. And I had seen her intercession at work. We did a mission trip to Jamaica through Franciscan University with 30 college students. And it was a great experience. But one night we were leading a prayer adoration night of prayer kind of preaching the gospel and then time with jesus in adoration and there were all you might not know this about jamaica but there's a lot of missionaries that go there that are anti-catholic but christian or they might not even be christian but they say they are um so some of these kids that were coming to the prayer event came with kind of a deviant attitude to kind of disrupt the night of prayer. And some of these kids were really young. And it's like they had been told by someone to kind of mess with this night. And it was just really odd. 
So, I mean, maybe I'm over conspiracy, you know, being a conspiracy theorist about that night, but it seemed like overall there was a spirit against what we were trying to do. And I, my job during the event was to play with the kids outside the church. And so I was playing with the kids outside the church and they're being really bad. They're making tons of noise when we we're trying to tell them to be quiet. And I was getting angry at them. I was starting to yell at them and get like really mad. Like my peace was really being lost. And I, I just felt bad because there were all these people we had recruited to come to that night of prayer. And we had left the doors open so anyone could come in to pray. So the noise outside was distracting the event. And so I was kind of losing my peace kind of yelling and all of a sudden this little girl came up to me probably five years old this little girl from jamaica and she gave me a small rose and when she gave it to me i was like what the heck what are you doing giving me this because i was such an agitated state and i looked at it and i looked at her and he was looking me right in the eye so peacefully like kind of smiling and I just felt like I was looking at St. Therese in a mysterious way. And all of a sudden, my anger went away. My peace came back. And I was like, I, I was like, okay, I'm just going to try to do my best to do my job of watching these kids. And I was like, this rose, it seems like somehow this is from St. Therese. Because this girl, just the way she gave me this rose was so odd. And it like just went from pe- uh, you know, unrest to peace so fast. So I got the I got a group of the kids, about twenty percent of them, to come and we just started praying the rosary. And these kids probably had never prayed the rosary, and they were just sitting down and praying. And then I noticed all the other kids that weren't praying the rosary were all of a sudden they found some game to play. The other college students were helping to watch the kids. They had some sort of game. They started playing with the kids kids and it quieted everyone down and so it sounds kind of odd but it was like literally it felt like all of a sudden all these angels were surrounding the church and brought peace back into the night and it turned out that it was a really beautiful night of prayer for the whole community and so uh that was my i knew that saint therese could intercede for us and that she was real through that night so now as i was doubting the priesthood and wanting just to know, what is my vocation? Who better to turn to than St. Therese? So as I was saying, so that experience in Jamaica of receiving that rose gave me a lot of confidence that I could reach out to St. Therese once again, now having this doubt of the, you know, my vocation. Am I called to be a priest? Or am I called to get married? Something I kind of overlooked since my radical conversion. So I did a novena to St. Therese. It was in January, right before my last semester of college, and I was back home, and I reached out to the Carmelite Monastery in Denmark, Wisconsin. I reached out to them and said, can I come and visit? I just have something I want to really pray to spend a few days of you know quiet prayer. And I think it would be powerful to be united with you, the Carmelites, in prayer. And so I got permission to go to the Carmelite Monastery continue praying my novena and i was able to once i got there i found a book on the shelf called story of a family now i had originally read story of a soul when i was in college and i remember reading it one saturday while in college 
I had all this homework to do. Uh, I was nervous about, and I, I just picked up the story of a soul and I, I read through it in like, you know, one day, probably like four hours and like two sittings under a tree. And it just spoke to my soul so much. So I really read that gobbled down that book and it was really powerful for me to read that. So I did the same thing with story of a family, this book I found on the shelf. And that one was a lot bigger. That book was probably three times as long. And over the course of the three days I was there, I read the entire book. So all I did was on that novena, uh, that time at the Carmelite Monastery was pray, read the book, and eat great food that the nuns made me. <laughs> so, and it was negative 20 degrees. And during this time in seminary, I had started to play guitar and I had been writing a couple songs. I had been struggling to try to play other people's music. Um, I was more of a piano player, but I loved the guitar that you could take it with you and you could, the portability and just kind of the, the way it sounds. I like the guitar. And so I started to kind of get into the guitar and I, I was writing a few songs. And the, one of the first songs I wrote was Roses, a song about St. Therese. You know, inspired by reading Story of a Soul, I wanted to write a song about a saint. And I thought, you know, Catholics don't have that many songs that people are making nowadays that are about saints. So I wrote that song. And while I was praying the novena, I was walking in negative 20 degrees in, the, in Wisconsin. You know, it gets cold. It was very cold, literally negative 20 degrees with a wind chill of like negative 40. I remember I would go outside for like 20 minutes and I was, I was saying really loud, singing really loudly my song, Shower on Me, Roses from the Garden. Because I was praying to St. Therese that if I was called to get married, she needs to send me a rose that's red, real, and have someone give it to me. Otherwise, I will keep studying to become a priest. I really want to get married, but in order to do, to do that, I want it to be clear that I'm not abandoning my vocation to the priesthood. So you, St. Therese, I know you're real. I know you've helped me before. Please send a rose that's red, real, and have someone come up and give it to me as a sign that I'm supposed to get married. So I completed the novena. And that first day, I was expecting someone to come up to me to give me a rose. Nothing happened. A day or two later, I drove back to the seminary thinking that I need to now apply to go to the next seminary, the major seminary, and I need to, you know, just man up and accept you're called to be a priest. You probably can't get married, and you have to, you know, follow this. It's hard to, you know, hard to follow Christ. So I, all of a sudden, I was back at seminary, and my friend came up to me who is now a priest, and he, I hadn't seen him for nine months. He had been studying abroad in Rome and traveling at different pilgrimages sites on his Rome experience. And he came up to me, I gave him a handshake or hug, say hi. I hadn't seen him for a while. He was one of my good friends. And he opened up his breviary, his prayer book, Divine Office, and he gave me a little plant. And it looked pinkish, orangish, kind of reddish. And it was pressed into his prayer book like it had been for, a, you know, pressed for a while. And I said, what is this? And he said, 
this is a rose I picked for you. I said, what color is it? I mean, what color was it when you picked it? Was it pink or orange? No, he said it was red. And, and then, where did he pick it? Yeah, I said, where, then he, yeah, he all of a sudden started talking. He said, I got this for you in Lesu. I was studying abroad, you know, and we were able to go to Lesu and visit St. Therese's house. And I remember that you wrote that song about St. Therese. And I know that you had a devotion to her. So I thought I should pick a rose and bring it back for Jacob just to give us a little souvenir. And then he's, after he picked it, he saw a sign that said, please do not pick roses from the garden. But he had already picked it, so he kept it. So I, I was just blown away by God answering that prayer. And that was the most powerful thing I've ever prayed for. You know, most powerful thing I've ever received from God as far as direct prayer, direct answer to, to a specific prayer request that had three requirements. That it's read, real, and someone gives it to me. So You had clarity then. You have this clarity that God is now calling you not to apply to the seminary. You're pretty certain of it because of those three conditions, the rose you received. And then you meet your wife pretty quickly thereafter, don't you? Yeah, so I literally met my wife the day I was no longer a seminarian. So the day I was no longer a seminarian was then in May. So there was a time period. I brought this up to my vocation director and even to... Uh, formation and seminary and they said please don't base everything off of one sign and i i get that and so they wanted me to stay in seminary just to make sure that you know it was also what you wanted what i thought was god's will outside of just that specific experience so then in may i was done with seminary graduated college and i did a an apostolate called catholic youth expeditions i thought hey i don't want to go into the real world and get a job right away, and then try to be dating people, you know, finding people. Just It's going to be harder to find a good Catholic girl. It'll be a lot easier if I do Catholic Youth Expeditions, which is a great apostolate in Door County, Wisconsin. And maybe God will, maybe my wife will be part of the summer staff. So I literally went from graduating the next day to Catholic Youth Expeditions, and there I saw a girl playing soccer who I thought was pretty. Her name was Kalina. And I asked her a little bit about herself. And she wanted to be a nun, but it was not working out. And she knew my friend who gave me the rose. They're from the same. They're both from Omaha. And uh, the crazy thing is, Father Quinn, who started Catholic Youth Expeditions, he came up to me. After church one day, he knew I discerned out. He was the assistant vocation director. He knew that, you know, I wanted to get married now. And he said, after Mass, Jacob, do you like Kalina? He took me aside. Do you like Kalina? I was like, what? He said, because during Mass, it was really put on my heart that you two might be great for each other. And I just want to tell it to you. I don't, I'm not just making this up at all, but I I wanted to put, because it was really put on my heart during Mass that you guys might have a vocation for each other. And so I was really, like, surprised he said that. And then we started talking, and it was really funny because one of the first conversations that we had, like our second or third conversation was, maybe God is calling us to get married. 
and it's not something you would say like on a first date you sound sound really creepy but it was something i brought up and she was just like yeah maybe he is and so we were we were then dating a few months later we got engaged that new year's eve we got married the next summer so we've been married almost eight years now and uh so praise god for saint therese for answering the prayer and for her leading me to Kalina. I think I was the deacon at your wedding, but maybe I'm wrong. Yes, you were. You chanted the gospel. In your married life now, you said eight years you've been married. Uh, have you incorporated St. Therese into your spiritual life, prayer life as a family? How, how has she continued to intercede? Well, we have a picture of St. Therese that we with with the rose in the in the picture the rose that I was given so we have that in a special spot where we pray and we have a crucifix that we got from Mexico on a mission trip and so we we try to pray the rosary every day as a family uh, lately it's been kind of as the kids fall asleep we have three young kids and my wife is pregnant with her fourth we also did have a miscarriage but so we we try to pray the rosary every day and I would say with my oldest son, I want to read Story of a Soul with him, maybe to him. We're reading Chronicles of Narnia. But I would say we just kind of, t- there's nothing completely special we do about St. Therese right now. But I think this conversation is kind of sparking it that I want my son to learn more about her. We do have some saint podcasts that we listen to pretty often. Heart of a Story, Saints Alive, and then Saints Story for kids so our kids really like those those have been really good for driving because we used to have the kids kind of watch media once in a while on long road trips and then it becomes you know too much that they want it too much so we kind of just cut it out we've reduced a lot of our media and especially in driving and so we listen to these podcasts of saints and the kids really enjoy them and so we're kind of just giving them right now general knowledge of all saints but um we've so that's what i would say there's nothing my my kids know the story so they've gone to concerts where i share the story of saint therese so they know saint therese is you know that she's important to how we met and the kids like hearing our story kind of what i just shared with you different details about that and uh but also say my kids, we love the Fatima prayer. So I think that's a great prayer to teach your kids. The my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. I ask pardon of you for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. Beautiful. So that prayer, is that's a prayer they do every day. And uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's just trying to... Um, kind of live out that little way the little way of saint therese and my oldest son knows you know we're not very wealthy um he knows it's kind of a sacrifice i've made to be a musician full-time and my wife is a stay-at-home mom so i think he kind of sees we we trust in divine providence so they're kind of seeing that being lived out and it can be they've also seen maybe can bring anxiety sometimes you know so they might, might not have 
the same uh, experience of other kids. But then they, they're able to see, you know, powerful things where all of a sudden someone sends us a check. We're really in need. And then someone sends us a check randomly to support my music. And it's what we need at that time. Or um, Sure. So... Tell me a little yeah. bit about your music. So you are a musician. You uh, play the guitar. You've written music. You have albums of songs that you've done. Uh, what's your music ministry look like? Yeah, so in 2017, I made my first CD called Pray, Hope, and Don't Worry. And that has the song Roses on it. it has, it's called Pray, Hope, and Don't Worry after Padre Pio's quote. So that's one of the songs on it as well. And that song is more about saints and kind of spirituality of different saints and um, how they worship Christ, how they followed him. And that CD was kind of done in a bedroom, you know. It was very it's a learning great, experience. I'll tell you. It's a good CD. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so then in 2019, I made a CD called Domestic Church, and that was about family life. So it's kind of, a, I have a song about growing up, about uh, moving on from my family, you know, my parents when I had to move out, and uh, meeting my wife. It has some songs about my love for my wife, the gift of having a child, you know, just a child growing in the womb, a song called Grow. Has this one of the most popular songs on that CD is called "Beautiful Daughter." And there was a guy from Germany that reached out to me on Facebook and said, "Can I have the chords for that song?" And I gave it to him, and I said, "I want to play it for my daughter." Uh, my my I don't know if it was wife or his partner, his girlfriend had recently left him, and so that he was kind of in a lot of suffering, but he still wanted to stay connected to his daughter, so he ended up learning the chords to the song and then he played it for her and it just so happened that the girl's mom was there and obviously it wasn't just the song but that moment was a powerful moment for their family and he then eventually got back together with her and he said that playing the song was a powerful reason for that so that's been just a humbling experience to see that you know the song i made not knowing who it's going to reach just about my love for my daughter uh, impacted him in a powerful way and helped his family. You have another album that looks like called while earth remains. Yes. And so that, uh, that album I just finished, that was put a lot of effort into that album last year, maybe 2020 and 2021, but it is about, a lot of songs of discipleship and uh, some of them are kind of Lent and be my captain is about, you know, Jesus being our captain through the rough seas. Sounds kind of cliche, but cause a lot of worship songs can be about water like oceans. Uh, but it, I guess it's my version of that water theme, but Christ being our captain sure. and that he's going to lead us through the storms. And then I have a song through the desert that is, you know, about Christ's thirst for souls, but also about how when we follow him, it's not always going to feel good. 
and just realize you're going through the desert in those moments that it's, you know, other saints have done it and that it's okay to not feel the consolation, but to continue uh, to follow Christ during that. And so that CD, I'm, as far as recording goes, I'm very proud of. I put a lot of effort into it. And um, so I hope, you know, if anyone's listening, they can check out some of those songs. And I have a new CD that I'm working on for this year called Fighting for the Kingdom. And it has a song on Spotify, a single is out called Shepherds. And it's just about kind of a, a cry to religious leaders, whether it be priests, bishops, or even pastors. It's not specifically Catholic, but for the leaders of our faith to really be good shepherds, to be, to be holy and to lay down their lives so that the sheep are not lost. And so uh, that song is kind of just about spiritual warfare, whether it be in my own soul or in the world. And just, um, you know, trying to make songs that can overcome evil, you know, help people to overcome evil in their lives and in, in the world. So that's kind of a big project I'm working on right now. And so I've been, you know, doing concerts here and there. I have a monthly support team that helps me to, you know, spend a lot of time songwriting and recording. And I don't have a record label, so I do a lot of the administration myself. And so I, the support team has been a real good blessing for me. I'm continuing to grow it. Um, not close to what I hope it would, hope it would be, uh, but it's kind of part of the call of discipleship. One of my main um, role models, I guess I don't know him personally, but someone who inspired me, I read his biography is Michael O'Brien, a Canadian Catholic author. And he had a lot, a big family and he felt called to create art for God as a iconographer and also as a writer. And he kind of struggled with poverty but um, God kept providing, you know, here and there for him. So that's kind of been my role model is that I know, I know I have this music in me to create. I know it's good for the world. I know it's good for my own soul to make it. And if I work and trust in St. Joseph's intercession, he will keep providing for me. And so one way God has provided is a lot through the house. We bought our first house after seven years of marriage renting everywhere uh we bought a house up and, near the upper peninsula of michigan and you're kind of like homesteaders a little bit right like you're trying to be self-sufficient you had animals but you recently had to sell them just because of travels you're going to be doing and, and things like that but your wife i see she makes her own clothing sometimes so that's kind of a neat little thing uh but it's kind of like your own little Catholic refuge in a sense, isn't it? Yes, we have five acres. We're surrounded by the woods, like a national forest. And we're 20 miles from the nearest town where I work, maybe 15 miles. And we have a big garden that we're focusing on this summer. We had 10 goats. Uh, one was milking and we were going to build up uh, these other ones. We're going to give birth soon. And uh, we had chickens laying eggs, and we had rabbits that we were growing for meat. 
and that we, we harvested a few of them. And then my wife, she was really the hard worker behind it. Cause I knew I needed to keep focusing on music um, and put most of my energy into that. But I was helping her a lot with the animals. But when my wife got pregnant, she got very, she's, she's about uh, 16 weeks pregnant and she still is very nauseous. And so it was just becoming too much um, with all of her duties. And so we had to just take a step back. So we have the infrastructure for animals and we got a lot of experience from having them for about a year. And we were able to drink goat milk and to have our own eggs and to even eat our own rabbits. So it was a cool experience to know, you know, we have that skill to be self-sufficient if times get tougher with food and with uh, things going on in the world. So, um, and then I, w- I had this opportunity to do a youth retreat in Colorado in June. And I could either go by myself or go with my family to go as a family and that's kind of been something we always kind of believed in is to try to spend as much time as we can and even do ministry as a family so one thing i'm hoping long term it's up to you know how much god blesses it but it could be the opportunity to travel as a family and we're all doing music together kind of like sound of music and Hmm. so we have we have a bunch of my wife plays the flute and she just got a beautiful Native American flute that I even I love playing, and I'm trying to learn it. And then my son, he's seven. He has some harmonicas, a set of harmonicas he got that are like you know, they're not just toys. They're like not high end, but they're still like professionally professional harmonicas. And then we got ukuleles and guitars that the kids can play. And so we have a seven-year-old boy, four-year-old girl, two-year-old boy. So we're still pretty young and just um, we're starting to spend a little more time as a family just playing music together. And that's been fun just to to do for its own sake, you know, just to be as a family playing music and not relying upon, you know, playing someone else's just to make it ourselves. And down the road, who knows? It, there's no pressure, but maybe we could be like a traveling family band and i did meet a band of traveling family band at camp tekawitha and so they were kind of you know i've seen it done before and so it's just uh could be a cool opportunity as well to do that and just to think all of this really brought to us by saint therese of lisieux the rose you received and then meeting your wife, and now with this traveling music ministry that you are doing and leading people in song and really singing also about St. Therese of Lisieux as you wrote one of those songs. Now, people can stream your music. They can do so on Spotify or, you know, those popular places. YouTube, your music is over there. They could buy your album, which would definitely help support you uh, as well. I know streams, you get a little uh, kickback from each stream, but not a lot. So uh, how can people learn more about you? How can they listen to your music if they want to have you come to their parish or their backyard? Where should they go? Yeah, That would be my website, jacobrodmusic.com. So J-A-C-O-B-R-U-D-D music dot com and really the best way to support me 
would be to consider joining my support team. So for as little as $5 a month, you can join. And I give you an email update every month. And there's a couple other things you get from joining the support team. So you can check it out there. And really, I'm just looking to have like a, an army of people giving a little bit per month, a small tithe just to, to beauty and to the saints and to uh, kind of this evangelization through beauty. So, um, you know, like if you think of it, Shakespeare, we wouldn't have his plays unless there were families that funded them, that gave him the time to freely make them. So that's kind of what you can consider doing is to be, you know, tithing a little bit to me as an artist to support my family, to give me that time because that's the main resource I need is if I can just pay the bills, it gives me the time to create this music. And I have, I have many songs that are unrecorded that I just need, if I can get my support team up to where it's, you know, no, not finances and so like it's a little bit harder to be in that state of mind to record but over and over god has affirmed don't go out and get a different job you need to spend all your energy making the music and so far he's been providing for that so um you could consider giving five dollars a month or more and you will it'll be really appreciated and the I'm my next album after fighting for the kingdom is hopefully I'm going to make an album about different saints. So it's going to, I've kind of gone the past three albums have kind of been universal Christian. Although I do have a, you know, I do have a song called the most Holy Eucharist in my last album. So that's very Catholic. I think that'll be very so, popular for the <laughs> Eucharistic revival. But yeah, I want to make an album about saints and I think I might get stuck there for the rest of my life because I could just make album after album about saints because there's so many and their stories are so interesting. Sure. And it's kind of unique. You know, we're, we're seeing a lot of new Christian songs, but not so many that are Catholic, Catholic yeah. focused. Yeah. Well, I love the stories of the saints. That's what, how they love Mary. The book is all about how saints and other holy men and women, how they loved the Blessed Mother, and so I can always get behind a good saint story. And if you need suggestions, I'd be happy to offer them. Well, thanks so much, Jacob, for joining me today on the podcast and uh, sharing about your music and especially the role of St. Therese in your music life. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your time. And I like your podcast and keep up the good work. And love in a father above. Therese, you taught the little way, sacrifice of love each day, lifted to the heights by the arms of Christ. So shower on me, roses from the garden, shower on me, heaven's love. Shower on me, roses from the garden, shower on me. Love. Therese, you offered up your pain and 
the dark night of faith For all who are lost You carry the cross To raise on the day you die Jesus welcomed home his bride Your mission begun Spreading God's love So shower on me Roses from the garden Shower on me Heaven's love Shower on me Roses from the garden Shower on me Heaven's love I feel that my mission is about to begin To make others love God as I love Him When I die I will send down a shower 